happy pride everybody happy pride it's the most wonderful time of year for us and in order to commemorate this joyous occasion we're going to be doing a very special pride episode we're going to be covering a movie that came out last year i don't even know if we've ever brought it up on this podcast in any way shape or form Mm, i don't think so i don't but yeah i don't think so technically it constitutes it as a yeah it's a remake so it's like you know i mean it's i like to say the fourth r or fifth r depending on which one we've had because i think we've had reimaginings this is a retelling there we go there's just know. so many re's you know so of course and it's a reason for us to talk about something pride and get related which is you know all we really want to do guys so. all the time truly all the time let's just get right into it we're talking about fire island which is a retelling remake one of those reads of Pride and Prejudice. Fun facts. I'm Nicole. Mm-hmm. And I'm Rolando. And I'm Eddie Z. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast about unoriginality. Eddie Z is back with us in the house. Woo! Yeah, Eddie, where have you been? I'm your husband, and I have no idea where you've been. <laughs> well, keeping this, you know, keeping food on the table, keeping the, the podcast Being afloat. the provider, yeah. yeah. Love it, yeah. love it. Actually, I say, like, it's been a while, but, like, you were here. You just weren't here for – you haven't seen Nicole in a while for the podcast. I, yeah. For the podcast. Because yeah. we did Dungeons & Dragons did, yeah. while you were – Away, Nicole. In Patty. Yes. He just missed Mackenzie Green. A he good episode. Yes. yes. He wasn't I... here for Fatal Attraction either. So mm. You weren't here for Fatal Attraction? Was, wasn't here for... No, yes, he no, was. We all talked about Fatal Attraction. No, yeah. it was the, uh, oh, it was Dead the, the twins. Dead, Dead Ringers. Ringers. about the Absolutely. twins. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes. 80s remake. Forgot about that. Um, well, it's always you a pleasure. You forgot about that? I'm always you. thinking of Joshua Jackson all the time. So mm. You hear that, Eddie? Oh, he's, yeah. he's no, there I'm with just, me. <laughs> <laughs> you both are. That's oh, great. Oh, my God. I love that uh, if you guys listened to last week's episode, you know that in just a couple of days, we have an event coming up on June 17th at the Hoboken Historical Museum, which is located in New Jersey. So if In a you're, week. In a couple of days. In a week. <laughs> it depends on when they listen to this, but it is June 17th, 2023. If you're a member of the tri-state area, you should hop on by around 630 to the Hoboken Historical Museum, where Rolando and I are going to be curating some LGBTQIA short films. And we're going to have a discussion yep. afterwards. But if you can't make it, keep in the lookout for uh, that episode Bonus that's going to be coming out. Yeah. yeah. So kind of stuttered that a little bit. But you guys get the gist. So we're excited yeah. for it. And we might have some Pride events in the area as well. So I know. stay. That's in development. So yes. stay tuned. We're excited to announce a Pride event being hosted by us. Yes. We're not going to say anything until everything is confirmed, but... Yes, but be on the lookout and, you know, be in suspense, because... Stars are aligning. Yeah. <laughs> so, any news before we get into this week's episode? Um, I think we t- we mentioned it last week, right? Samantha is going back to... We did mention it last okay, week, yes. Okay, yeah. I just told my friend who loves Sex and the City, and she's so happy because... She says she'll stomach another season of just like that, just for it. Other than that, I don't have any new news. Eddie, did anything pop up in your feed of mm. upcoming remakes or reboots? Nope. No, yeah, nothing on no, my end. It's a quiet week. Well, the, the writer strike, I'm sure, is mm. hurting <laughs> a lot of uh, development. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't really talk about that. 
Um, but we are in full support of that because these writers are getting really ticked over and it's hard out there. So, um, I mean, yeah. I'm not 1 million percent in support of it because this is what gave rise to reality TV and any chance <laughs> for me to end up on a reality TV show, I'm going to take. So sorry, right? No, of course I stand with them. <laughs> Mr. Story is King doesn't support the writer's strike. No, huh? no, no. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> They're still storing in reality. Mm. That's being told by the editor, so they don't get the, the writing credit, but they kind of do write the stories. Got it. It's fascinating. So, did you, like, watch last week's RuPaul Drag Race All-Stars episode and come up with the idea for this episode? No, but I actually might be done with RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. <gasps> Why? Because the of the tea? Oh, I, I haven't even... No, I don't... I literally... I fell asleep halfway through the first episode. I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to get into it. <laughs> I mean, truly, this was, like, a bad idea to follow up last season with this season because like nisha lopez like Monica i don't Beverly know hills uh, yeah just, there's a lot of them i don't know who they are they the only one i know is those... heidi in closet because i love heidi in closet mm. Mm. well there's a true winner this season her name is jimbo so it's kind of just like we're all waiting for her to win at this point she's canadian right Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah but last week the judges were bo and yang oh and Joel Kim Booster, so no, oh, both of them. Oh. Matt Rogers, I'm sorry. Oh, Matt, Matt Rogers. Rogers. Yeah, the the they host or were host. I don't know if it still goes on. Las Culturistas. Las Culturistas. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you so, said that with the most wait, wait, white some news. affect. Wait, wait, hold up. Wait, I oh. say everything with that. Wait, Eddie, you have news. What's up? Hocus Pocus three. Yes, it is that's confirmed. sequel news. Uh, it is confirmed. How? I mean, Disney's really. A how like we saw this film and it was it seemed like an ending. How no, it do didn't. we continue? What they set it about? up. They set it up for a sequel. Did you not remember at the end they set it up for a sequel? The witches died. They set it up for a sequel, and it doesn't matter. The witches died in the first movie. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yeah but this, but this one it felt like their souls evaporated or something. Or the, they crossed they found peace. Also, they crossed over. What happened in the first one? They set it up for a sequel. They had what? like something with book or whatever. I forgot. But they definitely okay. set up. And we discussed that. All right. Well, there you go. Well, it's confirmed by Disney. So. Of course, it was a smash hit. So we expected that. Do you think they'll go to theaters? Because isn't the new uh, Iger pushing back to get theater people in theaters instead of oh. Disney Plus? I'd be with it. I love theater experiences, personally. Yes, so. you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> back to... Uh, Fire Island. So, Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers. Matt Rogers is his name, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Matt Rogers. Uh, they were on on drag. Uh, good for them. I they were. aspire to be uh, one day our podcast be as uh, famous as theirs. And get invited you know. on RuPaul. I would love that. I mean, I feel like by the time that happens for us, like RuPaul isn't going to be a thing anymore. Maybe we'll get what? invited on like RuPaul's your, Drag Race, you know, tongue. New Jersey or something. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Some sub off 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 Broadway version of it. It'll be <laughs> Michelle Visage's drag race. Yes, which I would watch, even though she has no business judging drag queens because she's not one, but whatever. Uh, she knows makeup, mm. according to Europeans. They love her. They do, yeah. So on to today's episode, guys. Uh, we're here to talk about Fire Island. We will talk a little bit about Pride and Prejudice because we kind of have to in order to understand why Fire Island is such a unique take. But I want to say that I kind of am excited that we're doing this because if you're an avid listener of this show, 
you've probably heard us discuss some older films and had one of us be like, ooh, we should remake it and make it gay, right? Yes. We've done that a lot. We have, yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the opportunities are just like how it's easy. It, it kind of is, yeah. And like just reshaping it to a contemporary retelling, but gay or queer is a great idea. And well, somebody did it for fucking With, Pride and Prejudice. So. Which, in re- after watching the film, you suddenly see it's just like, oh, this was not a really difficult task. Like, yeah. Jane Austen gave you a really solid foundation on how to turn this into a queer story. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about her. Jane Austen, has anyone read a book by her? Um, mm. Yeah, I've read Pride and Prejudice. I did. I've not read Pride and You've read not? That, you didn't so. have to read it in a school? Nope, did not have to read it in oh, school. Oh, we had to read it in a school. I read it in a school, and then I read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. She also mm-hmm. gets second credit on <laughs> in that novel because they took... She should technically get first because they just rewrote her she, work. But. It's, yeah, I, I think the reason... She had to get credit because like it is predominantly still hers Yeah, that they just rewrote. So actually, she might take top billing over, over whoever the other writer who who wrote on top of it, but Jane Austen is also credited with that, with Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Zombies. Uh, yeah, no, I've read, I've read the books. Uh, I can't say that I'm a, a, a learned person of Jane Austen. Uh, mm-hmm. I just read this, this for class and stuff and we discussed it. Uh, I think when we read it for class, it was mostly to talk about like, you know, English society at this yeah. time period yeah. uh, and stuff. Eddie, have you read Pride and Prejudice? No, no. Really? I'm actually surprised. I thought that yeah. everyone had to read Pride and Prejudice in high school. Nope. Okay. I thought everyone had to read To Kill a Mockingbird, but that's not true. Um, okay. Yeah. Who, who do you know that hasn't read To Kill a Mockingbird? You. Didn't yeah. you say you didn't read it? I haven't read it. Yeah, see, I'm there you saying. go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me out. <laughs> uh, I was in honors, though. I think that maybe that's oh, why. Maybe that's why, yeah. I don't like, think I ever got to English honors, surprisingly. Um, yeah, surprising. Do you know... So, Wait, God, this is an interesting story. Do you know how I got into English honors? You had to take a test to get into honors classes. And one of them was you had to write an essay and like give like a, they give you a poem and you had to write an essay about it. And for some reason, I wrote like something about Britney Spears and this poem. <laughs> and shockingly, that got me. I guess he liked the fact that I could like make contemporary associations with like old poems. And stuff. So they, they brought me into English honors. That's amazing. Kudos yeah. on that. <laughs> and thank you once again to Britney Spears. I know, truly, my savior. Yeah. So Jane Austen's kind of amazing. She has such a staying power uh, with, I guess, like so many different cultures, people who just love to read and whatnot. I think she's such a famous author and people who love her. That fan club is so huge that it's almost kind of cultish. Like you're part of the Jane Austen cult in a way. Yeah, Same. but it's also, I mean, there's, like, literal college courses on her. Yeah, there like, are. They're, like, just a whole semester. I think you could do a literary track on just Aunt Jane Austen. That's how prolific she is. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, in her time, which was in the early 1800s, you know, she critiqued and commented and made witty banter, you mm-hmm. know, on kind of, like, her time period. Mm-hmm. And she did it very well. Yeah. And she kind of laid a foundation for other people as to like, oh, this is kind of how you do satire. Um, and she told just really good stories about everyday people of, of her life, at least. Um, yes. I, I, I mean, she's huge in terms of that. Like, there's not a, that many other authors that I feel like is that ubiquitous and has so much staying power. Maybe Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, that's very kind of 
like you're part of that cult or whatever. Lord Baron. Lord Byron? Oh, yeah, Lord Byron. <laughs> but he's more of a poet. Yeah. William I'm, Shakespeare. Shakespeare's the big playwright for sure. Um, maybe like even Agatha Christie. They're all British. Agatha Christie. I mean, yeah. I don't. Is Agatha Christie literary though? Yes. She know. wrote books. <laughs> like is Stephen King considered? No, 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 no. But there's oh, a difference a between. One. There's a difference between being a writer and being like a literary icon, right? There's a difference between like uh, literature. And just writing. Hold, hold on. I'm sorry. Yes, she's a literary icon. She literally established so many tropes that we know within a huge genre, which is a murder mystery. Any trope you can think of. I know, but Agatha Christie established. I know, but I think because of genre, that's what takes it away from literature. I don't know about that because, I don't like, I'm an English honor student. He was a genre writer as well. That's genre. no. The genre came from him. I don't think he was a genre writer. Did the genre come from him? I believe so. As, you know what? As you the know, authority, we're not literature people, so I don't know. Says I, I the guy who, say. who you, was says, in English. Honors. I was in English honors <laughs> because ma'am. of the Britney Spears okay. fluke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I'm going to take your word for it. Um, all I know is that she's huge. I mean, they make movies about her, like the Jane Austen fan club and whatnot, and they have made dozens and dozens of different retellings about her books and her stories because they just work for that. The most famous one in my opinion, being Clueless. Yeah, which is a retelling of Emma. Which is a retelling of Emma. Which we almost um, considered doing for the podcast when the new Emma movie came out, but I had no desire of seeing that new Emma movie. I just Well, yeah. And luckily for you, a big pandemic hit right at that weekend. Thank so you didn't God. To, right? Yeah. You, truly, he had my back. <laughs> he did, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Pride and Prejudice about? Well, it's about a woman named Elizabeth Bennett, and she learns about the... Rep- repercussions of hasty judgments and comes to appreciate the difference between superficial goodness and actual goodness. Interesting, huh? That's Mr. interesting her, that that's how they whittle down like the plot. That's how they whittle it down. This is Wikipedia, of course. Her father, Mr. Bennett, owner of Longbird Estate, has five daughters, but his property is entailed and can only be passed to a male heir. And his wife also lacks an inheritance, so his family faces becoming poor upon his death. Thus, it is imperative that at least one of his daughters may marry well to support the others. Now, that is the motivation. That's the inciting incident of this book. It's much like Bridgerton. Which I've never watched, so. Wow. Have you read yeah. his reader? <laughs> if I'm not reading Bridgerton, what the hell am I reading, right? Hey, this is me. Amen. <laughs> you know? oh, we're, but, you know, we're not really here to talk about the book. We're here to kind of talk about some of the movie versions and, of course, primarily Fire Island. So what movie versions or television shows or retellings of Pride and Prejudice are you, like, really familiar with, if any? So the... The first one that I ever saw was actually the Wishbone Pride and Prejudice <laughs> version <laughs> when I was a little kid. Uh, that dog, let me tell you, he introduced me to a lot of literary stories that I would end up picking up either in high school or college. And I'm just like, oh, I know this. Like, Wishbone did this. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, that one was, that's how I first got introduced. So, Wishbone played Mr. Darcy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> It's adorable. <laughs> this has got to be like the fourth time you've seen the Wishbone version uh, first. First, yeah, because like I was watching Wishbone as a child, and yeah. they do like literary retellings. That's great. I love that. Um, you know, I wish. I truly wish that someone would reboot Wishbone for like 
younger audiences so they can start getting accustomed to uh like literature because yeah. I, you know a lot of children's programming from what i've seen the few times i hung out with like little children is just like <laughs> awful <laughs> you know like the spider-man like it's cool animation like there's a show about like cats that save the world in like cat city or something they're like superhero cats or something and it's just like beautiful animation but i'm just like god this is like dribble <laughs> that was watch, a great story watch yeah. wishbone or watch magic school bus Ooh, magic school bus yeah, that's yeah good learn one. so the film that i really like of pride and prejudice surprise surprise is the 1940 version which is actually adapted more from the stage adaptation of Pride mm. and Prejudice. So they made, they, you know, turned into a stage play and then they're like, that's a great stage play. Let's turn that into a movie. Is and, it a good stage play? I can't imagine it's, I mean, Jane Austen is known for her dialogue. Yes, she is. So I guess it must be easy to translate on onto the stage, but it seems like a really boring stage play. Just people sitting around talking about their feelings and prejudices. That's kind of what most stage plays are. I know. This is true. I, this is why I don't go to theater much. <laughs> um, yeah, this one stars Gar Garson and Laurence Olivier. Laurence Olivier, who oh, you wow. probably remember from the Rebecca film version yeah. that you watched. Um, it's an MGM film, and it's got costumes galore. And I, I mean, it's actually a pretty entertaining movie. So... For me, when I like watching classic literature adaptations, I usually gravitate to the older films because the older films, they don't do what the newer films do, which is like try to completely immerse you in like the time specific sets and the costumes and whatnot. They actually feel more like contemporary to their own time films. So Pride and Prejudice, even though it's a film about people in the 1830s, they talk and everything moves just like a 40s movie. You yeah. Know? Does so that make have, sense? Yeah. So they have that, uh, that. What is it? The fast-paced dialogue, kind of. Yeah, they have the transatlantic accents, fast-paced dialogue, kind of screwish. Uh, and if so, if you like that, it's kind of perfect for you. Which is also why I rather watch them adapt it because they just adapted to be a movie. Whereas more recent classic literature films, you know, really try and go out of the way to make you feel like the book is coming alive. And mm -hmm. I know some people like that, and that's great. I do. But I. I prefer, you know, give me the old 1940s version of it where they're like, hey, Lizzie Bennett. You know? I don't know. Was there a 1940s version of Treasure Island? Yes. Okay. And you were telling me that you prefer that over, let's say, the 90s Muppet Treasure Island in which you had setting. You wait a had, minute, wait a minute. The Muppets, I mean, you also had the Muppets. You, that's the thing. The Muppets <laughs> made it their own. I mean, they changed it to Benjamina. They put a fucking Mr. Thimble in <laughs> Fringer. Like, which they completely me. messed with that. Uh -huh. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I actually made a TikTok about it, asking this question. But, like, how has it not been a Muppet Pride and Prejudice? Like, that's Ooh. an easy... That is an easy one to tell. Like, you have Miss Piggy as uh, Jane. Elizabeth Bennett. Uh -huh. No, not Elizabeth. Elizabeth oh, and Mr. Darcy would be your humans. Miss Piggy would be Jane. And uh, Mr. Bingley would be Kermit. Ah. Right? Like, but you have to have the humans play the roles of... of, uh, of 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 Elizabeth and uh, Mr. Darcy, and then yes. the first human that came to mind was for some reason Jenna Ortega. Like, I'm thinking, if you do contemporary, like that would be wow. Great. I'm, okay, and Austin I, Butler I, as a uh... not Austin Butler. It's got, <laughs> it's got. That's the thing. Like Mr. Mr. Darcy's supposed to be like older, right? 
I think so, yes. And he's yeah. supposed to be kind of like curmudgeon-y. Yes, he is supposed to be curmudgeon-y. And stuff. Just FYI, there's been a lot of, there's been talk about having a Muppet version of Pride and Shut Pride. up! Has there really? Yeah. Did I start it? Holy shit. Tell me more. Um, Because they wasted their time, no offense to the Muppets, with that haunted mansion Muppet version. It's like, I didn't need that. Like, give me like actual literature with Muppets. Yeah. That's way better. <laughs> That is, yeah. Like, Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island? Like, come on. Peak, peak cinema, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is what we need. Eddie, when you find out more, chime in. Uh, Mr. Darcy, he loves Mr. Bingley. And uh, he doesn't want to see him get used for his money. Uh, and he, the reason that he tries to separate the two is because he didn't think that Jane loved him the way that he loves him, right? Meanwhile, yeah. yeah, and he's kind of, he is a prick, right? But that's just his demeanor because uh, he, I don't know, he's just like kind of, he's of money, I guess. That's probably why he, he's that way. But meanwhile, uh, Elizabeth, she's looking out for her sister and stuff. And uh, when she overhears like Mr. Darcy talking real shit about them, she could i mean she's a woman of a certain era right so she couldn't just like yes. flip out she does her best to like kind of be witty and like walk away yeah. mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. but uh she ends up so she ends up not it's not that she hates him per se it's just that she's now looking for anything that would like kind of excuse like any excuse to be dismissive of him which is mm-hmm. where a lot of the conflict comes uh, and then she discovers that, like, he's not actually this asshole. He's actually a really good man underneath it all and really just really subtle about his what he does that's really good for uh, other people, specifically when he comes to the rescue of his young of her youngest sister or one of her young sisters. Uh, and so it's 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 not so it's not that, like, they started off hating each other. It's just like they just didn't understand. They were just each coming from different places and stuff and looking out for. The other person that they kind of got blinded to each other in a way, right? I actually uh, like just rewatching uh, the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice and stuff. I was just like, this is such a really good job of actually capturing it because, like, the Pride and Prejudice was never one of my favorite books. I prefer, I actually do prefer Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and I had not <laughs> seen the film <laughs> because okay. just like just because Pride and Prejudice and Zombies also captures like it's not that these two characters hate each other is that these two characters are so alike and that's why they really bond. Good read. It's just, again, I'm not part of the Jane Austen thing. It's never, I've not quite maybe fit into that age group or just not quite connected with it yet. Mm. Um, But yeah, that Kira Knightley movie, it's been ages since I've seen, maybe I should have rewatched that one too. It's nice. It's a really good it's a really fine film and stuff. Like Kira, my only complaint about the film is that Kira Knightley is Elizabeth, and it's just like they have her up against like the sister who's supposed to be the more beautiful one, who's supposed to be the more captivating one. It's just like Kira Knightley is just so captivating on screen. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like just and she has like this, the way the camera is just able to capture her is just like yeah. how like how could anyone like look past her to the sister? You know what I mean? Like it just it made no yeah. sense. Yeah. Outside of that, my other complaint is that I didn't care for Mr. Darcy. I just did not find him attractive, in my, in my opinion. Uh, or Mr. Bingley. The guys were, the men were like kind of ugly, to be quite honest. <laughs> but my favorite character 
a true to form, I think also this is true for me when I read uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, is the mom. The mother, I think, is the my favorite character because she is really pushing her daughters to to get married. And, like, she's able to play over the top and kind of silly, in my mm. opinion. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the effect. She's doing this out of just society's norms, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. I love seeing the pair, the father and the and the mom, like the, working together to to see that their daughters are both happy but well off, right? You don't get the sense that the dad in the film is doing this to secure the their family. He's yeah. doing this out of the happiness for their daughters, which I don't think, I don't think is actually part of the novel. I don't think the the father was a little bit removed i think from like all the silliness of like uh courting and all that stuff I in the see. novel if i remember correctly this one they kind of give him more of like he's a father figure and stuff it's nice i, I like the 2005 version um and stuff and yeah eddie have you seen the 2005 version because that's uh, i mean i've heard i've heard that's supposed to be like one of the best ones only did i see it i've seen it several times have you it's it's my favorite version Okay. I um, I I just love this. I love Kira Knightley's performance. Um, and I I don't know. I just fall in love with this this version of Mister Darcy. You like this Mister yeah. Darcy? Yeah. Okay. What about him? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I he's you know, I mean he's true to to character. You know, he's protecting his friend, but he comes across as you know like a snob, like he's better than everybody on the table. Right. That kind of thing. You know, he's super wealthy. So everyone has this image that, you know, that, that he, that he's standoffish, you know, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. high above. Um, and, but you, you see that he has some little awkwardness to him, you know, when he's around other people. Uh, but he is this fierce protector of the people that he does care about. And, uh, no, I really love and his like best line of the movie was like when he tells uh when he tells her when he tells Bennett, you have bewitched me, heart and soul, and I mm. love 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 you. Yeah. That's romantic, yeah. Chills, chills. It is I mean, it is a pretty chills. romantic I- film and stuff, and I am not one who gets swept away by the romance of like because like keep in mind when I read it in high school we weren't reading it for the love story we were reading it to learn about English society at a time period and how well she was able to capture it. Uh, yeah. But I most people I mean people who do love Jane Austen do love this love story between Mister Darcy and and her and I, I I've, now I guess I've come to understand like why it is like a very I think it is a very beautiful telling of a love story between two people who. Yeah, who who? There's a lot of the work that they had to put in to get it to work. Is yeah. not like so outlandish that like no couple could survive it. It seems actually pretty realistic. So should we just get into talking about why we're really here, which is Fire Island? Yeah, let's get right into it. So, can I make a just comment right away? Oh, about Fire Island yes. or Pride and Prejudice? Fire Island. Okay, Fire Island. Go. If there's any movie that deserves a title. Pride and Prejudice is this movie. Hey, nice, nice. Literally about dealing with gay pride and gay prejudice. Gay prejudice. Yep. Actually, it's a million percent true. They should have just named it Pride and Prejudice, and I think it would have been like what? 
who's going to sue for the rights of that? Like, yeah. it's... Yeah, you it's know. a Jane Austen estate known for, like, you know, being vicious like that. Oh, well, I'm, pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's in the... Public domain? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder. Which is why they probably could have... They were able to probably just rip the story off. Probably. But there's also, like... There's not really a law against making your own version of something, is there? Unless it's, like, a shot for shot or beat by beat. That's a good question. I'm not one million percent sure. I'm not a, I'm not a media lawyer. Yeah. So. So, um, this movie came out last year. It came out like last summer. It came out last June third for Pride Month on Hulu. Yep. It came straight, you know, to these platforms, and I feel like, I mean, within the gay community, people knew about it, but it just didn't really kind of get, I think, the the public release it should have had, in yes. terms of some other gay films and that the stature out. of films that they got. Yeah, like Bros got way more publicity than Fire Island did. Right, which is a movie that I will compare it to because it came out around the same time. Like, Bros came out what? Either this year or last year? Last year, right? It came out last fall. Last fall. I would have much rather prefer, preferred to see Fire Island in the theater than Bros. Yeah, yeah. It's so, a superior film, in my opinion. <laughs> if you don't know about Fire Island, if you're not from this area, you just never heard about it, Fire Island is an island off kind of like the Long Island, Fire Island Pines. And they have a particular area known as the gay village there. And like gays have for years and years and years flocked there during the summer. So it's like a thriving vacation destination for gays in this area. Have you ever been? I, well, no, I'm not a gay man. They have a lesbian section, don't they? That I don't know. And none of the girls I know are like, let's go to Fire Island. All the boys, though, are like, I'm going to Fire Island. Yeah, constantly. It's either Fire Island or Provincetown. Yes, P-Town, they also love. They do. So, um, these are the, the big vacation spots. destination in the Northeast. Yeah. yeah. Now maybe Asbury Park is like getting up there. Who knows? But um, I've seen the prices they try to charge for some of these events, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not paying a thousand dollars to stay in Asbury Park. Hard uh, pass. Yeah. A Hard thousand? pass. No, 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 no. Like, yeah. No. So it's a group of friends in this one instead of a family of five friends. It's actually a group of five friends and they're all gay boys it's noah played by joel kim booster who also wrote the film yeah i thought it was gonna be written by i knew very little of the film going into it i've been wanting to see it for a while but no one <clears throat> wanted to see it with me <laughs> and so i just never got around to watching it so this gave the perfect excuse this podcast but i thought it was a i thought it was a bow and yang film who had written it but sh- shocker what a plot twist it was yeah. Joe Kim Booster who wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and he, he's the star of it. He didn't direct it. Andrew Ahn directed it. So And has Andrew Ahn directed anything else? He has directed films like Spa Night in twenty sixteen, Driveways in twenty nineteen. So Yeah. He's a new no. upcoming filmmaker, so <laughs> That's yeah. yeah. Up upcoming for sure. Yeah. When do you stop being upcoming? By your fourth, fifth film? Uh no. I feel like until you have a mainstream film. Mm, yeah. So he technically might not longer qualify as up and coming. Because yeah, by, that, pretty, by that this definition, is, yeah. He's yeah. like, <clears throat> got like Hulu release. Yeah. So Noah goes with his close friends, Howie. And that's, I'm pretty sure that's Bo and Yang. Yeah, that's. Howie, Howie Yang. is Bo and Yang. Um, there is Luke, 
there's Luke, Keegan, and Max. Yeah, they're playing Luke, the Keegan sisters. Yeah, he calls them their sisters, right? Because it's like a found family that yes, they all are. Yes, yes, yes. And, and they're gay, so and they're all gay. But and the thing about them is that they're all supposed to be kind of representative of like the people who stand out in Fire Island, right? Because when you think of Fire Island, most likely you probably do think of like hard bodies, like white people. And even though Matt Rogers is white, he doesn't necessarily fall into that category of like that uh that muscular guy that you think of on Fire Island. That's kind of yes. why they, they kind of stick together, right? They feel like a group that doesn't belong, even though they want to so badly. Much yes. like the actual Bennett sisters. Yep. They want so badly to be a part of high society. Yeah. It's actually like the more we just draw it out, the more it's like, wow, this was begging to be made gay. Mm-hmm. Um so they go, they stay at the friend of their lesbian friend, their house mother, uh, Aaron, right? Mm-hmm. I think she's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. She's yes. a lesbian. Played by yeah. Margaret Cho. Yes, played by Margaret Cho. We love her. Um, and babe, how long did it take you to realize that it was uh, Margaret Cho? At the very end of the film. Are you serious? <laughs> she wasn't. She did not look like Margaret Cho. What did she look like? Opinion. She, I don't like. She looked like an Asian lady, and it's, oh I feel God. like usually Margaret Cho is louder, a little more like boisterous, and like much more commanding the screen. I actually loved this kind of more subdued performance by Margaret Cho. She did good. She did good. <laughs> so the thing though here is that she's kind of like the dad in this situation, where she's like, "Hey, I have to sell the house, and this is going to be the last time we're going to have to do this." Kind of like, yes, you know, the Mister Bennett's like, "Hey, if I die, y'all are going to be screwed, so y'all need to get husbands, dad." Mm-hmm. Basically. Um. So now this film immediately kind of gets into, like Eddie said, not only gay pride but gay prejudices, which unfortunately within the gay world there's quite a lot of them. So many. I mean, first yeah. of all, gays hate lesbians. They do. I, mean, I don't know how we're friends. Oh, I'm constantly like stopping myself from screaming at you when we record this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, the resentment runs deep between us two. Um, uh, no. What are the other prejudice? Uh, no, it's mostly the most of the prejudice come from uh, uh, classism. This- Straight up classism. Classism and racism. Racism, yeah. I mean, yeah. where it's, it's it's like if you're a certain minority, you're sometimes you can portrayed more as a fetish than yeah. an actual as a as a person. Yeah. yeah. And um, and you feel like there's some events <clears throat> where you are not recognized. Yeah. There's also, it's like bodyist in a weird way too. Like you know, gay men can be really shallow and not want to hang out with men who aren't like beautifully cut or fit um i yeah i classism for me is like becoming more and more i feel like of a problem in society you know and it really really sucks that it's so prevalent in gay culture as well because Mm -hmm. it's like wow this is like (laughs) nobody cares about us and we're doing this to one another yeah Um, so because immediately in the film they meet these like group of guys and i think they get like invited back to a party Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of like, who invited those guys? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know James Baldwin, right? And there's always that asshole that says, "Can I help you? Can I help you?" Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, so you guys know who James Baldwin is, right? Yes, of course. Uh, queer black activist. Yes. Uh, and r- prolific writer. Well, he actually has this theory on uh, white gays and black uh, and the minority homosexuals uh and the thing is like 
being gay, you're already like an outsider. Therefore, the white gays have feel have this like kind of hostility that where they feel like something has been taken away from them. That's why they create these white gay spaces. However, when people of color try to attend these gay spaces, uh, the white gay community feels like the other now is encroaching upon them, right? And that's because like there's a privilege that comes with being white, mm-hmm. according to uh, Mr. Baldwin, that the gay that white gays are trying to reclaim that we you know when eddie and i are walking down the street uh you know we we always put first and foremost that we're we're brown people we're hispanic right yeah mm-hmm. being gay is just another thing against us so think about being a black person like you have that fear another of being a black facet, person in yeah. white spaces yeah yeah what were you saying eddie i, I missed that yeah just another facet of who we yeah, are yeah it is you know what's crazy too is that racism and classism often kind of like bounce off each other where they'll mm-hmm. like see people who dress a certain way and then if you're black or if you're Latino or if you're Asian and you look a certain way then you also must be fucking poor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? for sure. Constantly. Like white people don't get looks like that. So and it's just all sorts of fucked up, guys. Yeah, they're buying the same shit from the same manufacturers, Shein or Zara. Let's be fucking honest here. Mm-hmm. So... Bowen Yang's character, Howie, he meets a doctor uh, and they hit it off. And at that party or at that house, Noah meets a lawyer named Will, who is our Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's immediate tension because he feels like Will is judging him and his friends and doesn't want Bowen Yang's character, Howie, to get with his friend, Charlie, who's a doctor. And they're like weirdly protective of their friends and like, why don't you like my friend? Well, why don't you like my friend kind of a thing? Exactly. And, you know, uh, I mean, the doctor, uh, not the doctor, the lawyer, uh, he he says as much. What's, what's the lawyer's name? I forgot. His Will. Name it's Will. 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 Yeah, Will. He says it to just like, oh, just be careful that they're not after your money. In the famous scene that, you know, we all, you know, you have uh, Elizabeth Bennett spying on them and listening uh, you know, so did our main character Noah over her hears this, and as yes. a result, he has his hostility well, towards his Will. friends. Make a scene, right? So, of course, the other gays look at them like, "How embarrassing!" So they, that's when Will makes a comment criticizing their. Behavior. I mean, they were super embarrassing, but I don't know. They seem like way more fun than like the rest. Of the guys oh, way party. more fun! Those are the people I, I'd be like. I'm leaving with them. Like they're not fucking stuck up. Yeah, for sure, a million percent. Oh, it's. It it it's uh, it, it's an exaggeration, but it was a funny exaggeration in my opinion. I yeah. thought it was. I thought the uh, the the juxtaposition was very well articulated in my opinion for this. Film. Yes, yes. Um, and then kind of like I think Noah meets a guy, um, a really tall, classically handsome white man named Dex, which is weird because that's my cat's name. <laughs> uh, I thought he was like Australian, but like, yeah, he's just from California. He has an OnlyFans. He's crazy yeah. muscular and like has like a mustache. He, I mean, he just looks like he's going to break your heart. Yeah, you know I'm mean? sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he just like, looks like a fuck boy. I'm sure he is a fuck boy. And he has uh, a history with Will. He does. And Will doesn't like him, which is something that actually kind of draws Noah to him. Right. Because, like, this stuck-up asshole doesn't like him. He must be cool and great, you know? Uh, so in the – which character is he playing? He's playing the no, – I'm trying to figure Dex? Dex is playing – George Wickham. That's it. Yeah. George Wickham, the Wickham yeah. character, the, the sergeant who ends up humiliating the Bennett family down the line. 
Yeah. Now, meanwhile, while this is happening, Howie and the doctor are getting close and Noah is kind of like not being as supportive as he should be for Howie's endeavor. Like his endeavor is like, I'm going to get Howie late because Howie always comes to Fire Island and doesn't get late because he's just like an awkward gay, whatever. And he's hitting it off with Charlie, but Noah has all like these problems with it. Yeah. So it's like, what's your damage, Noah? Like, I don't know. As a person watching this, I was like triggered by that. I'm like, whoa, unsupportive friends, not cool. Well, he, again, much to my base understanding of Pride and Prejudice, keep him, Elizabeth Bennett was not looking for like love, right? She actually thought herself to be, a, she was going to be a spinster for the rest of her life, right? She believed she'd yeah. be an independent woman. Same thing with Noah's character here. He does not believe in that idea of monogamy that he thinks that's like kind of created by heteronormative behaviors. And he, you look at Bowen Yang, who's based off of Jane Bennett. She is, uh, she has this idea. She wants to get married. She wants to have a family. She wants that. And and Bowen Yang's character, he wants that heteronormative lifestyle. And that's where that that kind of clash comes. So. Uh, Noah's really just trying to, you know, it's just like, just get your rocks off. And it's not that he's not being supportive, but he's just like, oh, you're not doing what I'm asking you to do, which is just like, get off. Because, you know, Howie is developing feelings for the doctor. Yeah. You yeah. know, which mm-hmm. again, it superficially, I think it's like, oh, yeah, this is an easily very well articulated plot point from Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's a good, like, kind of twist on it, too. Um, and I just, you know, you got to make, let people make their own mistakes and stuff. So totally. Yeah. And I think, uh, but yeah, but the reason he also wasn't being supportive was because at the same time, he, uh, Noah just assumes that since the, the doctor is friends with like someone named, like someone like Will, he's just like, he's probably bad news down the line. So like, just, just, you know, get to it and let's enjoy the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then like a lot of like classically gay shit happens. Like, um, they go to a dark room. Have you ever been to a dark room, boys? I'm not going to answer that on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, Why not? Who cares? It's a family show. My it's, mom listens to it. It's gay culture. <laughs> like, hey, it's a norm for gay men. I have been to places where there are dark rooms. Cool. Have I taken a peek? I mean, who hasn't? You, to... <laughs> <laughs> you want to see what's going on? Um. Yeah, like, Will starts seeing that Noah's taking a real deep interest in Dex. Is like, don't fucking do it. And Noah's like, back off. And then it turns out that Dex is a predator who likes to drug boys and kind of, like, sexually assault them for content. Okay. That, so that was your read? I don't know if it was straight-up sexual assault. He didn't drug him. Because the character of Matt Rogers' character took those drugs very willingly before they knew Dex was there. And However, he knew that was going to make him that way. Uh, I think they—that was a joke, right? They didn't know how these—they didn't know necessarily what these drugs were, and they didn't know how they were going to affect them. But mm. they took those drugs before they even knew Dex was—they were going to be intimate with Dex. He was not in the right state of mind to consent. That is true. It was fucked up that like Dex goes on and films it and and like posts it in, on his OnlyFans, which again, much like the the characters these are based off of the scandal was that the youngest sister the bennett sister she ran off with uh, the soldier therefore humiliating the family and could really fuck up the family name as a result no one would marry them uh, i've learned mm. this from bridgerton scandal is a big deal and instead you know you have will come in and like kind of like 
do legally blonde moves on him. Yeah, some legal action because he's a lawyer. I mean, having sex without someone's consent is assault. I don't. That's the thing. So definitely, that's what he yes. did. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, but let's, l- let's be clear, though. Let's be clear. Is is sometimes it's like what ends up happening is is people drink and people do drugs and they get high and they end up hooking up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know stuff happens. You know, then you wake up and you're not sure. Did I, you know, give consent? I mean, he said, well, you know, I mean, at least for this particular character is he was like, um, I don't remember giving consent, but I do remember we did get up and I just thought, oh, it was how romantic. And then we had lots of sex in the morning, which I did consent to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the the thing that he didn't consent to consent was the- to. And then he says, I don't remember consenting to either was being filmed that is okay for sure because sometimes you're drinking and then or doing drugs and you're so high and you say yes to everything and you don't know what you're saying yes to yeah and then you wake up and there's consequences i mean i'm of the firm belief that if you're talking to someone and then they get fucked up whatever plans you had for them you put on hold yeah but i don't but we don't know for sure that dex wasn't fucked up either though i guess i mean right like we don't know because when he's interacting with Noah at the at the party, like he's already seen kind of like uh, on drugs and stuff. I think even offhanded mentioned that they were taking drugs. Yeah, but like drugs is very like umbrella term because it depends on the drug. Because if you take a drug or if you are told you're taking a certain type of drug and then you do something else and then it makes that drug that you actually took effects worse, like say a roofie right. or G, which gay men really love to take. Uh-huh. You know, if you drink one fucking thing, you're fucking on your ass. People, that's how people get baited all the time in the club. So yeah. even though you know you're like, t- you're like, yeah, I'm gonna take E or something, but actually someone gave you something fucking else. You know, that's like that's the thing. Just because he knew he was on drugs, like, well, what drug did he think he was taking? What did he actually get? Yeah, I don't know. Like that whole part of the movie is a little murky, and it does get, it is dark. Like yeah. it, it goes pretty dark, and I don't know if necessarily the what Dex has, like, what ends up happening to him is, like, justifiable because, mm. uh, it, it, you know, he got pushed into a pool and his phone got thrown into the water. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that really justice? Like, not in my opinion. I Man, I, I hear a lot of sympathy for Dex just because, you know, he's hot. But more, no, 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 no sympathy. Not, no, not no, at no, all. No, no. But I, I think it, it becomes so so murky and, and confusing when we live now in a culture where... The, um, you have a lot of people, only fans, yeah, and the new th- and everyone's collaborating, you know, and you got your sex tape out, you you know, and your nudes are your currency, um, so it it gets this weird area, especially in in the LGBTQ community where it's like, you know, what's uh. Is this okay? This is not okay? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's though many, 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 many people who are willing to 100% participate in stuff sure. like that. Too. Yeah. Especially, so. I'm sure, on Fire Island. Like, yeah. you gotta afford, yeah. the, you gotta afford that lifestyle somehow, some way. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, I mean, sure. it's, it's, I mean, definitely, ultimately, consent is important. Respect. Um, permission. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was. It it's was a problem a dark... in every culture, and it's a problem in LGBTQ plus, you know, yeah, uh, culture. At... Yep. 
it, it was a dark moment in the film for sure. I didn't think it was going to go there. It went there. I felt like I was watching Degrassi all of a sudden, but... Yeah, yeah, do you think it needed to go there? Like, was that a problem? Because, like, the gay- this movie's addressing a lot of things in the gay community that people can relate to, right? What, like, one Fire Island and within itself, but then it's, like, other things, mm. classism and racism within the community. The, you know, people, men or gays who like to use, like, platforms who are addicted to these type of platforms mm-hmm. and, like, the way that they're, you know, sexual objects of desire to the point where they make, like, money off of it and stuff. Like... That's kind of where it seemed to go, like addressing that whole kind of subculture within it. But it also kind of like we're discussing, it wasn't really clear on how it worked. So I think it might not be the strongest part of the film. But if you're trying to do an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, it is the most it was, I think, the best option for something that cause can cause a scandal in mm. one's life yeah right? a reputation right that's it thank you reputation that's what ultimately lydia's actions in the bennett families could cost her could cost yes them yes of their reputation in this instance uh the character has his face on cameras while he's getting rammed and it could ruin his life I, it was already ruining his life like we you know uh the the mother figure she mentioned that like it's already being shared by the people in the thing and the problem with that is just like once it's on the internet it's there forever yeah like someone will save it so like his reputation probably is ruined so in terms of this so for the story and for the plot device of the characters that they're trying to tell like it i think it was a logical choice it made sense like i actually was just like oh this is a really interesting way of telling this part of the pride and prejudice story because like reality let's be real like if the uh if it was like the sex thing like oh he ran off with another guy like who 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 would care yeah but no this is like him getting fucked on camera and having it uh on an only fans like that is like oh that is a scandal yeah you know no for sure yeah That's, i think I, their intention was right but they could have definitely fleshed it out a bit more well i think they should have punished him dex needs a punishment in my opinion is what what he needs for this because in the novel uh, Wickham doesn't really get punished. He ends up marrying the daughter because Mr. Bennett, no, I'm sorry, Mr. Darcy pays him to. Pays the dowry, right? He so, pays like the debts that this so. guy was under to like to yeah. get him, you know, yeah. to take, you know, to do the right thing. True. So yeah, so it, I think I think justice should have been served, but that's it. But yeah, yeah. interesting part of the film to harp on, Nicole. But yeah, I think it's an important <laughs> one. I I would agree. Like, well, of course, you know, as we know that this, how the story ends is that Noah, Elizabeth Bennett, and Will, Mr. Darcy, actually realize that they kind of like each other and they have a lot in common because they actually ended up talking about things like books and literature and they just have this weird, like, fiery antagonistic thing. Um, but I, then they realize the true intentions of one another. So. Yeah. I actually like the chemistry between the two of them. I thought it was so cute that was sweet i thought it you was thought so? yeah, yeah i actually first of all that uh the guy james scully who plays charlie he's charles bingley uh i think he's so adorable mm-hmm. and like i think the romance that you could see blossoming between the two felt so awkward so corny but it's just like it seems so right for them yeah um oh yeah charlie ends up not making it with howie and stuff by what? the way like howie and him they don't work out right did you watch the movie? They yes, end up they together. Did. They do end up Howie, Howie and, and, Charlie. and Not Charlie, not Noah and Will. No, no, both. Yeah, both couples end up together. But doesn't he? Isn't he like hung up on his ex? 
No, I didn't okay. Rewatch so, the movie. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yes, it's the so, karaoke moment, karaoke night when uh, mm. this guy is singing. He realizes such realizing things about him, and uh, his best. And then the best buddy was like, "You gotta fix this. He's on mm. a ferry. He's going home. You need to do a grand gesture." Yeah. So the reason, That's yeah, right. so it wasn't supposed to. It starts feeling like it's not gonna work out because one of the other roommates in the in the house that they're sharing in Fire Island, he's playing the role of, oh, I don't remember who it is, but I think it's like the niece of like Catherine DeBarge, Jody Dench, Judy Dench's character in, okay. in the Pride and Prejudice film. So yeah. she wants, uh, she, so this guy, he wants to end up with Will, but Will is developing feelings for, for Noah, the main character. Uh, and so I think the friends bring over the ex in order to like get Charlie's eyes off of this group of guys, right? Mm-hmm. And Charlie he starts falling for the ex again because they have a long history together, and it kind of takes Noah like kind of confronting him and telling him like you're missing out on a good thing because you're doing the easy thing of going back to your ex, mm. and that's what ultimately he does this grand gesture of stealing uh, a boat from lesbians to win back uh, Howie. <laughs> That's right. He does. He does steal from lesbians. Okay. Yeah. Now I remember. Thank you for refreshing my memory. Yeah. So they end up together and then uh, that sets up Noah and Will to kind of end up together too. Yes. And then the movie ends with them playing Donna fucking Summer, which is just the gayest thing. I mean, it's really Donna Summer. How dare you? Donna Summer? Is it sus? Summers? No, it's Donna Summer. Yeah. What it's I not. I, I don't know. You were accusing me of saying it wrong. No. Oh. <laughs> meant, like, you you uh, belittling her music. No, no, no. <laughs> I said it's the gayest thing in the world. That was a positive thing. Oh, okay. When it I say very things like gayest. Judgmental. <laughs> you're accusing a... Okay, whatever. We're going to let that slide. So, I actually think that, like... I would hope that this would spark more gay retellings of classic stories. Yeah. They did it so well. They adapted it perfectly. They found mm-hmm. these contemporary parallels. You know, they made it fucking work and they were true to the story. Yeah. I agree a million percent. I think part of it, and I think what also I kind of want is not just a gay retelling, but like give me a queer minority retelling of yes. a story because I well, think that's that added way. More, like if this was just like white gay guys, absolutely, I don't. It would not have hit I because would, yeah. I think having like two Asian men front and center and talk about like not just their not just being an outsider already to the straight world, like you're already an outsider in the gay community, so you're yeah. like even more isolated. I think yeah. that's what made this kind of the story like even much more compelling to watch, and I was just like here for it. Uh, no, yeah, and and it's kind of brilliant too as a way to become accessible to maybe a more heteronormative uh, audience. It's like, oh wow, this is actually Pride and Prejudice. Let me see it. Like mm-hmm. you know, like people don't like to watch new things or take chances on new things, so you kind of need it to be regurgitated of something else for people to give a chance on it. Maybe that's why Bros didn't do so well when it came out. You know, I don't I, know. I, I mean, Bros didn't do well. I don't know. I think it wasn't. Do you know why? Because it wasn't good or something? <laughs> I don't. I didn't like it. Oh, it's not that I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I, did, I, I thought it was just like fine at best, in my opinion. Uh, mm. 
I I don't know if Billy Eichner was the right choice. That's oh. really what it comes down to. Where here, I mean, Bowen Yang is kind of a star in his own right. Oh right? yeah, he wasn't the lead. Right, mm-hmm. it was this other guy. I thought this movie was going to be a Bo and Yang like vehicle. It was not, and actually making Bo and Yang, Bo and Yang playing second fiddle to this other guy, I think was a smart choice in the film. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is like the guy they cast to play Will. I think he was just like the right amount of charming. Like he yeah. starts off, you do start off like not liking him, and then by the end, you you really won over by him. And I think they, I don't know if this was like subtle camera work or it was just like you developing feelings for the character, but I think he just got more attractive as like the movie progressed. Especially when he let himself go to do those 90s dance moves on the dance floor, on the uh, karaoke stage in front of the drag yeah. queen, right? Like, I think yeah. that was, like, a sweet, sincere moment uh, that I think it's a callback to at least the, the 2005 version of the film where, you know, she's talking about Elizabeth Bennett talks about, like, how she loves to dance. Yes. She wishes someone would dance with her. And Aww. I think that was, like, a nice little... I don't know if it was a callback because I don't, I don't remember if that was in the novel. So but I do remember it from the movie. Yeah, and he's not white, which is also great. He's Filipino, so he is. And yeah, again, not white. Smart choice. Uh, This was not a. It wasn't a film that was. What? I was gonna say, you know who was white? Dex. Dex was. Is that problematic (laughs) that the only like bad person is white though? Oh my god. Nope, not at all. No. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I don't even think Matt Rogers is completely white. Yeah, he looks like he's like Latino to a degree. He. I'm looking him up real quick. I don't know. I don't want to. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter because like it he was, yeah. he was, he's just one of the guys in this group that already feels like an outsider from the yeah. rest of the from the rest of the thing. But like, I think that that took a little bit of like my head wrapping around because like you know Matt Rogers, it's not like he wouldn't fit in in like <laughs> in in. If I saw him on, on, on Fire Island, like, or same yeah. thing with also uh, Joel Kim Booster, outside the fact that he's Asian. I mean, he's like a hot guy. No, yeah, like, he is. I he could is, easily yeah. see him, like, getting, dancing on those stages and stuff. Uh, Bowen Yang, I understand. Like, there's, like, uh, you know, someone who is not, like, fit. I understand what it's like to, like, and he's, like, by no means am I calling him fat. I'm just saying he's just got, like, a normal body. Like, mm-hmm. but in the gay community, that's basically, like, you're morbidly obese. I'm Pretty much, yeah. Dead Isn't that crazy? to the gay community. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's one thing I love about lesbian culture is it's not like that at all. Oh, really? That must be. It's not like like Mean Girls. Mm, no, no. Wow, good for you guys. No. I feel like straight women have more pressure on them to look a certain way. Gay men um, have more pressures than I feel like cis white women do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because <laughs> it's men. Because men are turned on by physicalities. That's mm-hmm. why y'all are so hard Tot- to fucking please. Totally. So let's let's come up with some Hollywood. If you're listening, here are some classic stories that you need to retell with queer people. The one that comes to mind that Rolando is always like, "I'm gonna write it. I'm gonna write it." I don't know if he started it yet, but love all he has is love affair. Yeah, okay. I don't know if that's like a classic. I mean, it's a classic film, but it's not like a classic. It's a classic I, I, film. I was thinking of, like, literature. Like, what classic literature? Okay, let's do literature. How about Rebecca? We actually also covered that. I don't know. Could you do Rebecca? I feel like Rebecca could be done as a contemporary horror. I don't know if you could... I'm trying to think if you could queer it well, up. Well, there's already some lesbian undertones in that, so let's just, like, make it yeah, all out. Just you women. Could make it. Yes. All right, fine. Yes, of course. You can make it a lesbian story. Rebecca can easily work as a lesbian tale. Yes. That yes. I would love... I actually would kill to watch that. And I'm already right? thinking... 
who would I cast? <laughs> uh, I'm seeing your girl, uh, Kate Ooh. Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's good as as the oh as the housekeeper whose name I can't fucking. That's who remember. I was. Thinking. I was thinking her. Uh, yeah. Her as the housekeeper. Oh, just make it like my dream team. You know, put like Rachel Weiss in there. <laughs> as, is she? Uh, is she the? Is she the one? The the. She old should guy? be. She should be Maxime actually. Oh. Right. Okay. That's and then the, we that's maybe, the guy, right? Yeah, and then her like new young wife's got to be like I don't know, um, Billy not Jenna Irish. Ortega, but like some you know hot Latina actress. Okay, you want hot Latina? Uh, yeah, because I think that she should be a minority in order for it also to be like who is this? Like it's got to be like really really white women. Okay, all right. I like this. I like this. Where this is right? going? Right. Uh, oh wait, why? I mean, you want Latina? I was gonna say like why not like a black actress? Yeah, it could be black, too. I always like, go to Latina because I'm a Latina, so it's we'll like go, me putting myself in there. I'm just throwing Zendaya. Ooh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscar Perfect. Bait. Love this. All right, let's come up with at least one more. Uh, all right, I got to think of classics. Uh, now you're putting me on the spot. I wasn't thinking of classic. Classic <laughs> literature. Let's see. Um, okay. Eddie, you, well, Eddie no, I'm what thinking, com- I'm thinking. Oh, you're also thinking? Okay. There's The Great Gatsby. Um, I know a lot of people have done some retellings of that. I guess you could make that gay. I don't. I mean, you could, uh, because Nick, I think, was in love with Great Gatsby, but mm, yeah, I want to make a TikTok series called Dicula, which is like Dracula but made Dicula. You mm. know, so there's that. But I'm patenting that idea, so nobody. We can kind it. of got that already a little bit with uh, with the Dracula Netflix series. Dykeula women. Uh, no, with the lesbians. You yes. want to know about lesbians? Uh, lesbians. A, what about a tale of two cities? Do you think you could queer that one up? Never read it. I don't know the story. How uh-huh. about um, Great Expectations? That one I never read. So damn it. This is uh, harder than we thought. <laughs> Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Ooh, they actually there's a British film from the 70s called Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde. So every oh, time he, he turns, he becomes this gorgeous woman. And it's kind of like the ultimate bisexual film. Oh, see, I, all right. So I'm yes, already kind of going there. And I think you could make a contemporary with the fact of like how right now the like LGBT, like the, the transgender or the even the drag queen community is being ostracized by like the 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 the, the conservative right. Like, I think mm. maybe you could turn that one into when a guy takes his potion, he turns into like this vicious cutting almost Bianca Del Rio type of drag queen who just eviscerates like just Republicans and stuff. Yeah. And like now there's a like hunt that. for this drag queen. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Like that. Boom. Right there. RuPaul. I hope you're listening. Cause like, seriously, somebody take this idea. Also <laughs> Rebecca, we should call it Becky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, um, to, I'm trying to like I have a list of like uh, classic literature, but I haven't read a lot of these. It turns out. Mm, Could mm. you do? Oh, Count of Monte Cristo. You might be able to make that. Yeah, one yeah, okay. I can see. I've never read that, but sure. No, that's the one. Uh, that's a revenge story. He. Oh well, who doesn't love a good revenge story? It is a great revenge story. I think you could also, in theory, queer that one up. Uh, just by so Count of Monte Cristo. There was actually. One of my favorite telenovelas was basically Count of Monte Cristo, which is just a woman. Uh, she gets accused for a crime, and uh, when, after she's released or she escapes, uh, she comes into this wealth, and she makes mm-hmm. it her mission to bring down the family that accused her of this crime and stuff. And that's basically Ooh. that's a 
that's the that's the plot, plot. of yeah. Count of Monte Cristo. Uh, Love that, yeah. Yeah, I think you could totally easily give that some queer undertones. I don't know specifically how much, but it's there. It's there. Hmm. Well, you Any know, other? you can also do Emma, make Emma gay. Yeah, you could just make Clueless. I mean, we have Clueless though. Like Clueless is kind of also pretty. It's not gay, but like the gays love it. Yeah, it's kind of honorarily gay. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, but, we came yeah. up with a bunch of ones, I guess. So, I still uh, think you should write an affair to remember, a love affair. Eventually, maybe one day. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm All so right. busy with life. I know. Time. Isn't it the worst? The uh, worst. <laughs> is there anything else we want to add on this before we wrap up for today? Um, outside. Well. So what did you overall think of the film? Like, did you, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Did you, do you think this should have been seen in theaters versus streaming? I know you I think, always prefer. I, I always prefer always, theaters. Yeah. But I like, also, well, I would have preferred would have to benefited? see this with a gay audience, you know, mm. who like could relate to it and stuff. Like, I don't know if I would have gone to a theater on a 10 a.m. and seen it with like a bunch of seniors, but like a nice, you know, gay audience, that would have been great. So I always like to, I love feeling people's energies and hearing their reactions. We talked about that in length last right. week on The Little Mermaid and how great it was to add to that. Yeah. Um, I actually enjoyed this film. I feel like when I, after I first watched it, I was like, okay. And it had to sit with me. And this is the type of film that kind of, it, it grows on you the more it sits with you. I agree. I, uh, For me, I was more so just surprised at how much I came out enjoying it. I knew I've been wanting to see this film since last year. But as I mentioned, like, Eddie, Eddie, why, why didn't you want to see this film? Because I have been pitching it a few times every time. Like, we just were looking for something to watch. It's like when you're just not in the mood. You just need to be in the mood to watch. So I'm always looking to watch, like, actual gay films. Yes, uh, same. Like, and I prefer the worse, like the more terrible, the better, in my opinion. Sometimes <laughs> Eddie doesn't get down like that. Eddie, you know, we'd rather just watch Hollywood stuff. Uh, with nothing wrong with that. But uh, I, this was one of the films that I wanted to watch it because I heard I had read reviews and I heard it wasn't it, it was good and I was just like, oh, this would you know worth watching. Instead, we did see Bros in theaters and Bros, like I said, I was just like, Ugh. like seeing that one in theaters helped it a little because more people laughed and you're more inclined to laugh when people are laughing around you, but. Yeah, I try to. Yeah. I try to rewatch it. And I'm just like, it's not. This, it's this is fine. At best. I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge though that idea that like a lot of gay films aren't that good, um, because that's a very heteronormative perspective on it. You, okay. I mean, I straight people have been saying for the longest time that gay films suck, and now that when we actually go and we watch classic gay films that came out in say 70s 80s and 90s they're like wow they actually don't suck they just were kind of like fuck you straight people mm, oh no, no no okay i'm talking about like 90s 2000s gay movies that almost feel like they're almost like usually they have like that wolf brand in front of them you know they're going to be like a train wreck Ooh. are you talking about like d-list movies yeah like those, okay, God fine. Awful, like those, I guess those are, are different. Terrible oh, movies. Some of them are good. Some no. Some of them. When they're like charming, they're charming. But when they're, it's like watching Hallmark movies, but with gays, basically. Uh, and they're I, but I enjoy them. I think watching them sometimes is so much fun because they're so like they're so sometimes so like shitty, but like so just funny and charming. Yeah, I like those and kinds of films. I'll take that. Hey, funny and charming—that's a great quality of a film. So. <laughs> well okay cool um yeah is that all that's all i mean you know this was a a very special 
Pride episode. A very special Pride episode. That is the title of today. Thank you for joining us and coming to Fire Island with us. Have you seen it? If you haven't, get on that. And if you're a diehard Jane Austen fan, I apologize for this episode. Uh, <laughs> reach out to us. These are the ways that you can. Email us, remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals. We're on Twitter at Remakes Podcast. You can search for us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Remakes Reboots Revivals. And if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform, do us a favor, click on our name, go to the rating tab, give us a rating. And if you can, give us a review because we just love to hear from you guys. So yeah, I think we should keep on like the special pride theme of the whole month, you know? So like if we kind of don't do like typical properties, unless something's like begging for our attention, we should just keep this going. So if I would love some audience recommendations, yeah, we could do some evergreens. You know, if we don't end up getting any ones that we respond to, we'll end up picking one, I'm sure, between us. But uh, yeah, let's keep it going all Pride Month long. Someone had recommended in person. What was? Oh, uh, wait, what was? We got a recommendation over the weekend from someone in person. I don't remember what it was. It was the producers. That was yes, that was yeah. And we were like, oh yeah, we'll consider it. Consideration. And, and that the, yeah. But then I thought of uh, Fire Island. I was like, oh, no, this one is more contemporary. It's better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not better, just more contemporary. <laughs> it's a better Pride-themed episode, shall we say. Yes, that's better. Yes. That's a better way of putting it. But cool. All right, well, we'll figure it out. And when you guys come to your podcasting platform to listen next Friday, you'll see what we pick. And so until then, stay, stay unoriginal. unoriginal.